0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome, this is Michelle Nagel, your host with Roar to Win. And today, our guest is Billy Francis, LMFT, NBC slash HWC. She's got a lot of initials after her name, which <laughs> I will let you. I'll let her tell us about. Mindfulness is the heart of Billy's life and work. She's the founder of Mindful and Meaningful Coach Mastery, a national certification for heart-centered professionals who use proven coaching techniques to impact positive health behavior change. The program is a training provider for the International Consortium of Health and Wellness Coaches and Board Certified Coach. Billy's a licensed therapist, a national board certified health and wellness coach, a board certified coach, an ACE certified health coach, and is the master coach for ACE's Behavior Change Specialist program. She's also a past president of the San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance certified wellness professional, and a multi-year presenter at the National Wellness Conference. Billy lives in San Diego and is a dedicated family member, an avid baseball fan, and an active Toastmaster. So I had some questions as I read through that, Billy. Um, Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So when it's talking about ACEs Behavior Change Specialist Program, is that, what does the ACEs mean?
1: The ACE stands for the American Council on Exercise.
0: American Council on Exercise. Okay, Okay. so that's a different one than the one that I use, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Uh, (laughs) Ah, right, or the hardware store. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man, I thought about that, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, those are really, (laughs) that's a staggering list of, credentials that you have there which is really really beautiful so tell us more about who Billy is though
1: who's (laughs) the Billy without the initials (laughs) thank you for that I think the last couple lines in my bio um, I I love my family of course and this whole thing people know me for my baseball being a baseball fan so that's part of what I do I I live in uh, San Diego County I just moved to the beach Love the beach. That's <laughs> that's where I'm restored. That's that's my place to go for centering and mindfulness. And so I'm a, a mom. I'm a grandma of two precious uh, grandchildren. Also in the San Diego area. And I just uh, I just love serving. My dharma, as we call it. My purpose is to teach and to serve. Wonderful. And how lucky you are to have your grandchildren close by. Mine are all oh. three to
0: five hours away from me. Oh wow. <laughs> Although in San Diego County, it might be three to five hours, depending on the time of day. <laughs> it's, it's true. This is true. <laughs> so uh, what is your role as a mindfulness or a mindful coach?
1: You know, my role as a coach is uh, it started with a therapy that was, as, as you announced, I started in therapy and then I was exposed to coaching back in 1996 and that was when the days when coaching was sort of uh, an unknown entity. It was, um, what do you mean, soccer? Yeah. <laughs> Basketball? They couldn't quite know what I did as a coach. So, so I, I pulled from backgrounds as a spiritual counselor and as a therapist. And I actually think that this method came together um, in spite of me after I took a coach training in 96 and then my background in, in spiritual counseling and in therapy, I ended up with this mindful coaching method. so it's a little, uh, a little more focused inward. It's about going deeper with our clients. and really, we don't teach mindfulness as much as just we become present. we become mindful in order for our clients to, um, to really get the value. And
0: mm-hmm. so mindfulness. A lot of people think that when you mention mindfulness, that means that you think about something in a certain
1: way. Is that what mindfulness is? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking use the mind more carefully. It's 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 funny, it's almost mindlessness in some ways, which <laughs> <laughs> that might it's actually a, a situation where you're just aware. I think awareness is probably a, a better term. To use that you're aware of yourself mentally, you're aware of yourself physically, spiritually. You're just present. So being being very very present and focused is the idea behind mindfulness, and it's without the intention of changing anything. So we become aware, but we're not trying to to move things around. Just notice, just notice. Yes,
0: and and it's um, I, that was actually a trick question. Um. <laughs> I wanted to see what you were going to say is why I asked that. Um, Mindfulness uh, in the practice that I use using heart math is being aware of your entire body so that you can uh, sink into the, the body and be aware of all the information that you're getting from all of these information gathering sources that we have, not just the one that's between our, you know, between our neck and the top of our head. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you define it as mindfulness as the choice to live consciously and let go of any desire to control, achieve, or resolve, and that change is that is motivated by trying to make us better is rooted in frustration and fear. Can you explain that?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is what most people think of when they think of a change or coaching or any kind of... Uh, uh, well improvement I guess we could call it but they think oh I'm discontent I I don't like this so I have to change it and when we're rooted in that kind of frustration that's the motivator it it isn't the same thing as coming from just acceptance of what is and then discerning as you're saying mind body spirit well what more wants to happen or what else wants to happen so it's when we're frustrated it's a, a very different Motivator. I'm not happy with myself. I don't like this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, grovel around here until I, till I like myself or like what the circumstances. And so, what we're talking about is different from that. It's what do you notice? What, what would you like to uh, change? And gently put in the correction. Very different than beating ourselves up with frustration and then uh, making change. We're just gently putting in the correction. Yes. You know, we all want to feel
0: good. And so as a result of that, we think that any, um, well, we have talked about good emotions and bad emotions, and we want to try to feel the good ones and get rid of the bad ones. We don't want to deal with those at all. And as a result, again, you, you cut off all that information, but an emotion is just information. It's neither good nor bad.
1: And what happens when you let go of labeling them? Exactly, exactly. You just notice. You notice that, that you're, you're anxious. You notice that you're um, maybe a little fearful. Well, what's the information that you can, you can glean from that? And uh, again, without judging it and l- instead allowing it, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of um, positive information that can come from that. So, so because sometimes we can be afraid, for instance, we're afraid of uh, uh, what's going on financially with us. And so if we're just consistently being concerned and we're looking at the checkbook and we're worried about it, we're not really in a position and in a place um, even mentally to make uh, the corrections. So this way we're just, we're just saying, oh, look at that. I'm really stirred up. Well, okay, what can, I, what can I think differently? How can I respond to this rather than just react to it? Yeah,
0: and there's such a big difference, isn't there, between responding and reacting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the choice. The reaction is almost the animal part of us. It's just it's the knee-jerk response. But the the responding, it just feels different when you say it, even.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. I love that, too, the break down the word responsible. <laughs> uh-huh. It means the ability to respond. Well, that's what we all have if we stop long enough and we're centered and we're present, we do, um, in most cases, have the ability to respond. And so that's um, not... Some people hear responsibility and they think burden, but I think it's a joy and and a gift that I can respond to what's going on around me. Yes, absolutely. So in your writing on Guiding Mindful
0: Change, you provide 11 questions to help us zero in onto our values. And most people will probably say that they already know what their values are, but your questions are very specific in clarifying whether we're truly living in alignment with them. So, can you
1: can you expound on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I think that makes a really good coach actually is when they coach to values. In other words, that's what our clients perhaps are. Um, maybe they are extremely aware of their values. Maybe they're just becoming aware of their values, but they might be a a surprise to notice that their lives are in one camp and their values are in another. Mm -hmm. In other words, just because we we say something's important doesn't mean we're necessarily um, using our time, our resources, our finances to direct them toward those things we value. So the kinds of questions we ask, um, are just things like what's most important to me? Mm-hmm. Um, we might want to know like, what are my strategies to keep my values in the forefront. Uh, we, we we might um, have to ask ourselves what am I tolerating in people or a situation that opposes what's important to me. So just you asking ourselves a lot of questions that that bring the values to the forefront. And um, yeah, and it, and we also in our in our world in the coaching world we also help people get clear on their values
0: right it's like saying my family is the most important thing in the world to me but you never see them because, exactly yeah. because you're you're working too much or um, or some other reason that makes it so that they get they get like the dregs if
1: that so yeah. that's yeah. a great example and and it turns out that if, if we do that long enough maybe it could be a, a long period of time of a of a, a month a, a year or whatever we're we're completely ignoring our values in fact, I think it happens day by day <laughs> that mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're completely ignoring those top five, say, things that are so important to us, there is an emptiness and a discontent, and a, we're wondering why things aren't, aren't feeling good or they aren't flowing. It's right. Because, again, my life is not addressing what's important to me. It's, it's my life is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So how is
0: mindful coaching different from life coaching? Oh,
1: you know, I think it's because we called it that, quite honestly. <laughs> but it turns out it, it really is a way for the coach to practice mindfulness. In other words, in our, even in our training program, we say, what mindful practices can you pay attention to on an ongoing basis? We don't dictate. We don't tell them to go meditate or necessarily do any particular mindful practice. But what helps you be more present more of the time? Mm-hmm. And by by doing that, we really find that we are less likely to impose our great ideas because we're more comfortable with not knowing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because that's the temptation when someone says, "I'm stuck," or "I don't know what to do," or "I I want change." We want to rush in there with, "Have you thought of this?" <laughs> or "Some other brainstorming." Way. Mm-hmm. Brainstorming, not necessarily the best thing. The best. Solution sometimes is to just be present with that space of not knowing and allow the wonderful solutions to come bubbling to the surface.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've, I've discovered
0: that many people, when they talk about uh, that they want coaching, what they really want is somebody to tell them what to do. Yeah. And is mindfulness coaching like that?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we're mindful of is the person is, is in pain, perhaps, or they're hurting, or they're in a habit of asking other people what to do. We, we don't judge them for that, but we, we're, we're the ones being present and aware not to jump in there with advice. Mm-hmm. And we find that if we create that safe, uh, affirming space, that those wonderful magic words like, well, maybe <laughs> I could... <laughs> or perhaps i could start here or a first step might be they they have a, a more of an indication of what's right for them in their lives and so we're learning we actually learn and teach people to be uncomfortable with that with that unknown space that that ambiguity of of not knowing it's like like a like a swimming pool and the swimming pool is there and the and the client jumps in and they're doing fine but they're kind of treading water and we don't thrust a pole out to them and we don't throw them a life vest and we don't, you know, swim in and rescue them to the side. We jump in the pool with them and we tread water next to them. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we just say, ask them powerful questions. Yes. Like, well, what, what do you think it might take to get over to the side? <laughs> and, yeah. they, and then they can come up with some solutions.
0: Yes, and that is, that is the difference. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting, just the distinction between coaching, counseling, therapy, you know, there's so many, and some of the distinctions are very minute distinctions, but they're important ones. Absolutely. So um, how do goals relate to commitments? And how are they similar or different?
1: You know, it's this is the thing I love about uh, our approach too. That starts very broad. In other words, kind of like purpose. <laughs> What's my purpose? What's my mission? We can go very big at first when we talk to to our clients, and then we can kind of nar- start narrowing down. And often people just start it off with goals. Mm-hmm. So. So we, we start broader than that. We will start with purpose. We will ask about values. We, want to, we do want to find about commitments, and they are not measurable. Mm-hmm. That's one of the different goals are measurable. Goals, smart goals, we've heard of those. They're things that you can, be, can be finite. They're measured in time and space. Mm-hmm. But commitments really drive the, the engine, so to speak. In other words, if I'm committed to having health and vitality, that's not measurable, specifically. It's right. different to say I'm going to go you know, work out three times a week. That's, that's a measurable goal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but if my commitment is broad enough and can, can guide me and pull me forward, so in all areas of life we can establish commitments. And they again, they're not measurable. They're ongoing. They're, they're more like process statements. Quality of life statements. Mm-hmm. So we, we make that distinction, and I've had clients who have rewritten and dis- discerned their commitments so that it absolutely resonates with them,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: that's uh, that's when the goals
0: make sense. So, well, absolutely, because you can make goals all day long if you're not committed to them, you're never going to do them.
1: Right, and you and you don't have a commitment to the to something larger than the goal. It's like why that's the why. It's like who wants to go exercise when you can sit, you know, at home and read a book. Well, right. the reason is because my commitment—I am committed to being healthy and vital—that right. that pulls that pulls the goal into uh, to more of a purpose.
0: Yeah, as opposed to being I'm committed to eating this chocolate bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you are eating the chocolate bar, bar enjoy every morsel. Right? Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's you know, mindful, mindful eating
0: too. It's, <laughs> absolutely. <it's>, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> there's so many things that we can do in our lives that. We just do unconsciously. We go through most of our lives unconscious, yeah. And you know, of course, somebody's going to object and say, "That's not true. I'm awake." Well, that's not the same thing. As,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not asleep or awake. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's being <laughs> present or being uh, being a little mindless. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's really interesting. Uh, we're
0: going to take a short break and then come back to. Um, continue our interview with Billy Francis, who is a a mindfulness, a mindful and meaningful coach. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, this is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win and I'm today interviewing Billy Francis and we're having a really wonderful conversation about mindfulness and so Billy tell me what is the significance of acceptance in our ability to make or make healthy or mindful changes?
1: This is this is again back maybe a little bit to the idea of discontent. But if we accept what is for now, mm-hmm. that that's the uh, uh, a better starting place for change. It's it's amazing the difference that that uh, self-acceptance and being okay with ourselves and uh, makes in in making that kind of change. That the choices we we're not frustrated. We're not focused on the past. We're just accepting I love that phrase accept what is for now and and kind of almost love it love that we are where we are and out of that uh, it's much much easier to move forward that sounds pretty
0: awful to accept if my life is uncomfortable and miserable why would I
1: accept that that's a great question why would we accept that you know and I'm, I'm glad we're making this distinction it's not saying it's okay I love it the way it is at all it's It's we don't love it the way it is, we're Mm -hmm. we're, but we're accepting the the reality of it. We're accepting that this is just how it's happened to be, how it turned out. Mm I I I'm I'm, have extra weight I don't want. I'm out of shape. Um, My relationships aren't working. But I'm I am acceptable in this moment, in this circumstance, and from that I can I can make make changes but it's impossible to <laughs> hate what we have and, and change it. Mm-hmm. it. It just doesn't seem to work. That's that discontent or frustration or non-acceptance. So it's, it's a process. Again, we're not teaching anybody to do that, but it's amazing how our, the coaches, non-judgment and acceptance, and just helping people move forward in even tiny little steps they take that on they they become maybe a little less judgmental in fact one of the things i love is down the road pretty soon a client will just do our work for us because (laughs) they start asking themselves their own questions like well what could i do to change this even a little bit like i'm i'm thrilled Mm. i'm i'm doing a happy dance because they they have almost a different uh way they talk to themselves and that's that's awesome
0: Yeah, that shift is really wonderful. I was um, coaching somebody this weekend and that was one of the things is we we started off with the topic and he just ran with it. (laughs) (laughs) And so as he's going, I started, you know, I couldn't help it. I just started smiling and smiling and smiling. And he said, why are you smiling? And I said, because you're just, you're doing the whole coaching process yourself. I'm just observing. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. a fine. That's a wonderful goal to have. Is that almost to coach ourselves right out of a job, where yeah. and I've heard, I've seen that and I've experienced that and I've taught that over and over. That um, pretty soon people take on your um, faith in them almost, or their confidence, your confidence in them for change, and and they talk, they talk to themselves quite differently, and and come up with all their own solutions, and your uh, your work is done. <laughs>
0: Yes, it is. But it's really important to hold that safe space for them to be able to do that. And Absolutely. So that they can develop that confidence that they, they really do know what's best for them. Yeah. 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 So what does it mean to be empowered
1: by congruence? Um, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting question. So when we say congruence, what we're talking about is that things line up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and when, what what we mostly notice is how off we feel when things aren't lined up. Mm-hmm. That, for instance, you know, you could have a conversation with a with a friend or a colleague, and they can even be saying, "Boy, it's a, it's a I'm sure glad to come to work today." <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> their body language, their their tone of voice, whatever else it might be, is not fitting. Mm-hmm. And and when, when we're really see, when the, excuse me, we're on the receiving end of that. We will feel that that there's a, the message is not is not lined up, so mm-hmm. when our again our commitments, our goals, our intentions our our self talk everything's lined up, there is such power in that, mm-hmm. and I was just working with someone as recently as about an hour ago, <laughs> <laughs> and she was telling me about a very happy thing that happened for her. Mm-hmm. There was no happy in her voice, so uh, we were working along, and pretty soon I said what would it sound like after we chatted about that? What would it sound like now if you were to tell me that, that story again? Mm-hmm. And she felt the difference and, and felt the enthusiasm of being happy about what was going on, this new opportunity she had and it, and it shifted the whole thing. So, uh, you know, and I actually asked her, you know, what's the difference now? And she's, I just feel lighter and better.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: there's, there's power in that. Kind of congruence. It's it's an interesting experiment to run around. And if you ever feel kind of off, it's probably because the message you're receiving is not congruent. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I
0: have a, <laughs> I have a friend who I love her optimism. In that, um, whenever a challenge comes her her way, what she says is, "Oh yay, another uh, opportunity to grow," and you can tell how how much she's dreading whatever it is that came into her life by the tone of voice and the lack of enthusiasm in whatever it is that she said yeah. so i think that you know she's trying to be optimistic and trying to have a positive spin on that which i really applaud and admire in her but that is a perfect example of being incongruent yeah. oh yay
1: <laughs> oh yay another learning opportunity <laughs> Yes, exactly. And, and I think a more accurate thing, if you know, sometimes is to say, "While I don't embrace this, mm-hmm. this challenge, I'm willing to move forward." If that seems like that's a little more congruent with what's going on—the the resistance and the, the trepidation as well as the willingness—so that would be maybe a little more accurate.
0: Mm-hmm. That's an interesting, different way to say that. So that's great. So, um, your approach invites aspiring coaches to do their own work
1: why do they have to do that you know for for me uh, as i've talked about our our purpose is to be present for folks and it's almost like thinking about radio waves or interference on the line if we haven't been doing our own work if we have our own distractions if we have our own um Not just self-doubt, but things that just don't feel like they're congruent in our lives, or there's they're they're causing us to not be present. Then we need to do the work, and a lot of times that it sometimes gets down to confidence. Mm -hmm. Uh, That can be a real distractor. I, I, you know, when we're it's it's sort of coaching, but doing a um, uh, uh, an analysis. How am I doing? Performance anxiety. Well, Mm -hmm. we practice and practice and practice. For instance, in our program, so that so that. The, the me disappears. It's like the absence of me. Mm-hmm. The more I can just push me away, uh, the better it is. So that kind of work. And, and again, the mindful practices, things that will help us be present for people, you mm-hmm. uh, know, in, in a meaningful way. I mean, we really, we call our uh, mindful and meaningful coach mastery. We mm-hmm. are really learning to do that uh, so that the, the clients benefit. The, 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 it's meaningful coaching. We, we do our work. And it's not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. to to we compare that's a great one if we're comparing ourselves to maybe another coach in the course or to someone else we know or it, it's that's a distractor so we we work on things like that and uh, the whole purpose is so that our clients can can go deeper
0: yeah and that's really important because a lot of times people think that it's not necessary to do i, mean, I don't need to do my own work i'm fine i've worked through all that but if you don't I guarantee one of your clients is going to trigger you. Yeah. And then, then your client is a mess and guess what? Now you're a mess too. So (laughs) there's, I mean, who's going to help who?
1: (laughs) And, and, and you know, that's almost inevitable. Michelle It's inevitable that you will attract the client who has your very same concern. They're working on the same thing and they're your, your triggers. But the key again is to notice that, whoa, (laughs) that they just said something that now I'm, flipped into my life. And right. so, so we have to we, we pay attention to that. And we actually talk about strategies to pay a lot of attention to that. What mm-hmm. helps you? In fact, the question is, what helps you get back? We're, we're going to be distracted. We're going to be uh, listening to them and thinking about ourselves when they trigger us. Mm-hmm. But what helps us get back as quickly as possible to the now of that session and the connection with that client?
0: Yes, exactly. Because it nothing can blow it out of the water quite as the same as, as your focus leaving the client, because you have to focus on the meltdown that's going to happen inside of you. So um, there's a, a young man that I came across recently, who was in a coaching program, and he really wanted to be a coach. But in one of the practice sessions that I was doing with him, he said, I I don't want to talk about that heavy stuff. I I don't want to go there. I don't want to. And I interacted with him probably four different times. And each time, he was getting triggered by something. And he would say, I can't deal with that. I don't want to go there. And so finally, he had the realization that there was a whole lot of stuff that he had to deal with before he could offer any kind of service to your clients. Because You don't know what your client's gonna bring. It could be, I'm really upset that my daughter uh, didn't come home from school when she was supposed to. And you can start talking about that and it can morph into something just really like traumatic that happened. So you have to, you do have to deal with your own stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Deal with your own stuff. And then just from the example you gave too, there's always, as we know, that point at which you recognize because you're present and aware Mm -hmm. that this is not for me to do that. That I whole idea of perhaps there's another professional who could be of more value to the client, whether that's a referral to an attorney or a a financial planner or a a, a therapist or whomever that we, we also become very aware of of our professional boundaries, our scope of practice. So Mm -hmm. when there are those heavier duty things that, um, uh, You know that we find the clients are facing, and they all do. By the way, it seems like you—they hire you to help them start a business. The next thing you know, we're talking about something in their family life. So we have to know—we have to know when to refer those as well. So I just wanted to point that out, as I know you know. But it's—it's—it's very tempting. And I'm because my background is a therapist, by the way. I am crystal clear about that line, Mm -hmm. And, and people kind of assume, oh, well, Billy, when your clients you know, find themselves in a tough place, maybe they're a little anxious or depressed, do you just do therapy? (laughs) Like, Uh no, No, I would not do that, that would be unethical, that would be a a dual relationship, so. uh, But I teach my my students, and I certainly practice myself to make make, uh, helpful referrals, you know, when necessary.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you said that it would be a a dual purpose. because i th- I would think that even sometimes maybe your clients, knowing that you are a are a therapist, would kind of expect that you would just you know do that too that's part of it um, so uh do you still practice as a therapist
1: you know I do now a base basically returning clients perhaps or referrals. Mm-hmm. But the key for me is that is the agreement it 's like informed consent when I start a coaching relationship, it is crystal clear that we 're not doing therapy because it says so. <laughs> coaching mm-hmm. is not psychotherapy so it 's right. crystal clear and and I and as you say, if people happen to know that i 'm a therapist, which I actually don 't publicize a whole lot then i you know, I, I distinguish that. This is, this, is, this is not what's happening, by the way. If there's ever any need for something beyond the scope of coaching, I will be making a referral. So it, it's, all of our coaches have used written agreements. We make it very, very clear what we do, what we don't do, and what we'll do if it's not ours to do.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's very good. So how can we become more self-aware? Because so many of us just, we go through the day on autopilot what does it take to become more self-aware?
1: Well, I would love to think that it would just be a matter of just saying, I think I'll pay more attention right now (laughs) (laughs) and And it would be all done. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) Wouldn't that be handy? What I find, what I find is that, that we look for some support to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things out there that help uh, self-awareness. And so we find what works. We, there are people, we ask them, you know, what would help you be more um, clear about that? I need to write. I need to journal. Great. One wonderful practice. Maybe silence and meditation is something someone else can do to, to support them. Sometimes it's just a matter of, of uh, establishing order mm-hmm. and balance in our environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Something
1: like that would make us more self-aware. Uh, there's all sorts of practices, anything creative, it's sort of getting in touch with our quiet self just for a little bit of time on a daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that we can, when we ask the question, what's right for me? Mm-hmm. There's some some answer that has, or some space for that answer to come through. And mm-hmm. that's really what we're asking is, is this right for me? Uh, is, this, is this opportunity right for me? Is this conversation right for me? And, um, you know, we're, we're not always just, by the way, asserting ourselves, but it's also what's right for the situation or the conversation, or the other person, but without that, without that space to get clear, whether it's journaling or meditating or or uh, other practices that help us uh, center in on that, we are going to be on autopilot, and and um, we wonder what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, you know, where did I go? And and this is how did I get here? And right. self awareness helps this helps prevent those detours a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, in your chapter, Mindful Coaching, A Process of Fulfillment, you state that deep appreciation is how we best clear the
1: way to fulfillment. Can you tell us more about that, please? You know, I, I think that the practice of gratitude is probably one of the best things we can do for, on a daily basis. There's, it's pretty hard to be... Uh, in great gratitude and uh, self-judgment at the same time. So a practice of, of appreciation and gratitude. And again, as we were saying earlier, appreciating maybe the way things didn't turn out, but appreciating what is for now. Uh, appreciating our gifts so much of the time. We look to what we what we want to become, and we haven't appreciated what we've done or accomplished or just our our beingness. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deep appreciation is is really a wonderful practice. And again, whatever works, <laughs> find find a way to uh, to practice that. My my latest since I moved to the north coast of San Diego is to go to the ocean and just and just bathe myself in gratitude. Uh, so it's uh, it feels good. I'm grateful for the view. I'm grateful for the the uh, the opportunity to walk the beach and um, just really just grateful for being. Um, so that's a um, that's a, a essential i think essential component of fulfillment Mm -hmm. yes
0: um gratitude is one of those high vibration kind of emotions um you know we know about the high vibrations and the low vibrations and um my my youngest daughter when she first started college was having such a hard time and all of her friends had gone away to a college and she wanted to go away um, we lived in Davis, California. UC Davis is like a top-notch school. Yeah. That was the one she had to attend. <laughs> and, and she would, oh boy, she would come home and just kind of offload this, just this negative, negative, negative. And it was began to drag me down. And so I, I tried to think of, okay, what can I do to help her? And I would listen as she offloads, she'd go negative, negative, negative. I'd go, stop. And she'd say what? And I said, "Tell me something good." Mm-hmm. And she would say, you know, she got really mad. She goes, "Well, I didn't get run over by a car." <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "I said, good. Go ahead." And she did three more. And then I said, "Stop." And I got in the habit of doing that with her. And as we practiced that, her her uh, ability to look at gratitude, she caught me sometimes, and she'd go negative, 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 and she started again with another negative. She said, "Mom." What? She said you didn't stop me. Oh, sorry. What's your what's your good thing? Oh wow. And so she had gotten to it turned her around within just a matter of weeks of looking at the gratitude instead of looking at the negativity. And the crowning pinnacle was when she called and told me that she had used the exact same practice on her daughter.
1: So Oh that's always <laughs> wonderful. Yes, it was. So well, we're, I just hear so much self-awareness in there too. That you know that that's that's what was really going on. You caught she you caught her, I suppose initially, and then pretty soon she caught herself. But what am I doing and what am I saying? That's when we have choice. And, yes, and really awareness is gives us choice. That's mm-hmm. the whole value of it. I was in a, a a tai chi practice, and the instructor came around and he positioned us a certain way, and he said. This is all about about awareness, so that you can have more choice in your life. I thought, mm-hmm. well, that's the work I do. Mm-hmm. Is I help people become more aware, so then they have choices. <laughs> and it sounds like your your daughter that was a, a great uh, experience for her. And isn't it fun that it, it, it went up one more generation at least? Yes. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, it is. It's really
0: important for us to become more aware of our inner and outer environment. Um, you know when you're really really living unconsciously you're like a bull in a china shop and you offend everybody and then you don't but you don't have a you don't kind of look at that as to how deeply you're offending yourself and how you're not creating the kind of life that you want to create and so how did you get into mindfulness from being a therapist, because sometimes that path does not follow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I had the benefit of starting actually originally in a, a, as, as a spiritual counselor. Okay. So that, that was helpful. So I started there and I guess in some ways after years of, of that, I decided to go secular and go into the uh, therapy world as well. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I said earlier, it's, it's sort of, after practicing the spiritual counseling and the counseling and then learning coaching, this method of mindful coaching, just everything kind of pulled together for me. And, and again, the universe spoke to me loud and clear and said, go teach this. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really how the the Mindful and Meaningful Coach Mastery Program started was, uh, it was just uh, something that wanted to be taught through me. And I thought, okay, I'll try a few little classes, you know, in San Diego. And next thing I knew we were expanding and, and we went uh, elsewhere and that worked. And then, Oh, by the way, we had classes all over the country because there's something that we were doing that people really resonated with. Mm -hmm. So, but it helped for me to have this tenant really it is part of our training too, is that I know that people are whole and resourceful. Mm -hmm. I come from that. In fact, that's one of the things that, that mindful coaching also, Approaches is we we meet people with what is and we see their value and we know their value, and we're not there to fix anything. We're not there to see the dysfunction of anything. We're just there to to believe um, in them and also um, hang out (laughs) Mm -hmm. while that brilliance really comes comes to the forefront. Right. It is joyful. It is so much fun. I love it. Halfway through our course, if I, I ask people and they're Often from very rich backgrounds Mm -hmm. in helping other people, most of the folks in our in our group are already healthcare practitioners of some kind or uh, human resources folks. But they they surrender. I say please surrender to this, just for Mm -hmm. just for the ninety days of the course. (laughs) Just Uh surrender to the idea that you know nothing. Uh (laughs) Take all your expertise and put it on the background, and then about halfway through the course they go. Oh my gosh, this stuff really works. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, this idea of being uh, of waiting and being present and not, not being the, uh, the answer person. So it's it's very fun for me and, it's, uh, and I know in fact, right now, as we're having this just dialogue, I know that there's coaches out there who are mightily helping people. By, by remembering how resourceful they are and, and fanning the flame of that and, and helping people make those choices that are going to uh, enrich their lives. And I have a little tiny piece of me that's kind of floating out there with them. And that's, that's what actually, as a teacher, that's, that's heaven, is to know that something I've taught someone has helped them and they're now helping others. So uh, yeah. it's very exciting to know that's going on right now. Yeah, that's
0: wonderful. And, you know, I've really enjoyed having this conversation with you because do you realize, I don't know if you even know that you realize, you have used all four of the words, the resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just like perfect, like we had scripted this somehow. So...
1: <laughs> I love that. And once again, not not scripted and certainly... I, I I have to admit I wasn't aware, but I'm glad you were. And, <laughs> and, and and I love the concept there. I love the the whole the acronym, the whole idea of, um, of especially supporting well, just all of us to to mm-hmm. be to be resilient and obviously optimism makes is a huge one. Um, what's our A word? Our A word is accountability, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. yay for us. Yeah, that was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it is so important. I mean, as you've been talking about the things that your coaches, that you teach your coaches and then your coaches help other people with, um, I've been pondering about just how um, interconnected and how, how beautifully woven those four principles are with one another. And it's, you can't be resilient without being optimistic, and you can't be optimistic without being accountable. <laughs> and you can't be accountable without being resourceful. So they're all kind of inter- intertwined with each other. And um, tell me a little bit more about this this program that you offer to coaches. To um, how did, how
1: will it if they're already coaches? How will it benefit them? Well, that that's true. Sometimes people have had training in coaching before they before they come to to our uh, our course. And sometimes not. So sometimes people just have backgrounds in other helping ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What what? But I think happens is they deepen again into the uh, the idea even more. They might have heard in a in their in their work or their research or even in just in life. Gee, you can't tell people what to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we still do that in subtle sometimes and not so subtle ways. So so coming together to to deepen into our own growth and practice. That's the key. We've always included an enormous amount of of, of practice. And so they're working with real clients. We obviously do peer coaching. They have private sessions with me. We cover uh, some main components of coaching from professional ethics, which is key. We talk about coaching uh, structures and strategies and techniques, of course. We also talk about the the, the idea of, of marketing your coaching practice, so it's it's pretty well rounded. And when people leave, what they say to us, I now know exactly what I'm doing as a coach. I have complete confidence. Mm-hmm. And I some folks do leave a program, and they're like, "Well, now what? I I I learned something, but I I don't have the confidence." So because it's uh, we get so much practice and and our own do our own work, mm-hmm. then. Um, and that's one of the criteria we have for our completing our course of course they do the coursework and they do the the work with their clients and they turn in their audio so we can listen to them and do all that but one of the criteria is what i want them to be my coach Uh, okay (laughs) very subjective (laughs) but everyone who's out there i'm so proud of and that we've gone on to have corporate contracts and i can send my coaches out anywhere and everywhere knowing with complete confidence that they're going to do a phenomenal job and be honoring of their clients. So, um, yeah, so that's a a snapshot of what we do. We run the program for 90 days Mm -hmm. and it's very accelerated. Some, Some programs, of course, are much, much longer than that, but we work with the folks who are up and ready to go. They're very motivated, they're very willing, and um, already have some expertise under their belt mm-hmm. and then uh, it's it's a very rigorous program but that's because they're busy people and they want to they want to learn what we have to teach them and and, and get on with their uh, with their coaching practice awesome so you said billy that you have a gift for our listeners i do i have a webinar it's called everyday mindfulness and it's a it's a little bit of of uh, education about mindfulness, some practices. Actually, at the end of it, there's even some additional resources people can download. So my my website is Guiding Mindful Change. So you can go to GuidingMindfulChange.com forward slash Roar R O A R, and you can download that free gift. That's really wonderful. Thank you so much for
0: offering that. And I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. I, um, mindfulness is also what I do. I'm a certified heart math trainer. Beautiful. So, um, you know, it's, this is like, you know, my goosebumpy. This is my thing. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so I really appreciate that you have shared what you've shared with us. It's been very
1: valuable. And if anybody wants to reach you, how do they do that? Certainly through the website GuidingMindfulChange.com. Um, easy enough to remember that Billy at GuidingMindfulChange.com is my email address. I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over LinkedIn. Also wonderful to connect there. And, and one of the things I offer, uh, anyone who's been practicing coaching, uh, wants to explore it a bit further, we offer programs, not just our full training course, but we offer programs to help people Kind of hone their skills a little bit more, and offer CEU courses for cool. folks going through other certifications. And that's uh, especially the International Consortium of Health and Wellness Coaches. That's mm-hmm. that initial that I think you're you initially talked about. Yeah. <laughs> <initially>. <laughs> yeah. The Health and Wellness Coach. So I'm a I'm a nationally board certified Health and Wellness Coach, mm-hmm. and and that organization um, has. Uh, a great deal of of uh, research behind what they do, and they've named our program as one of their providers, mm-hmm. as has the board certified coach. But we offer continuing education units for all of those those nationally board certified health and wellness coaches and the board certified coaches as well.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us, Billy. And I really. Appreciate the things that you've shared, and I hope you have a marvelous day. So, our, our guest has been Billy Francis. She has all of those long initials, but she is an awesome mindful and meaningful coach, and she teaches mastery courses. If any of you are interested in learning more about uh, Billy Francis, then you go to her website, which is again
1: guidingmindfulchange.com. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Billy. Thank you, my dear. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win.
1: Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastNetwork.com.
0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.